Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 10 of From the High of the New podcast and radio show series here on KALA. I'm Ryan Schistel, as always, joined by Anna Vary, Sierra Mari, and Abby Varkalis. Before we get going, though, a quick disclaimer. This podcast was recorded at the studios of KALA-FM, St. Ambrose University. Opinions expressed are not necessarily those of KALA Radio or St. Ambrose University. How is everybody doing so far today? Um, I'll start. Um, I've actually had a pretty great Friday. Um, I got breakfast in the calf this morning with my friends, and we got omelets from Owen the Omelet Maker in the cafeteria. Um, they were really good. And then um, I worked a little bit before I went to my microbiology class, and then I'm here recording, and I'm looking forward to the weekend. So, you know, it's Friday. I'm grateful for it, and I'm just looking forward to enjoying the weather, relaxing, and rejuvenating this weekend. Abby, how about you? Yeah, it's been a really, honestly, hectic week for sure for me. Just like a lot of projects and everything. And um, as the end of the semester is approaching, I just feel like there's been so many assignments. And Ryan and I share a lot of the same classes. So I know you probably feel the same way with all the projects and everything. Um, but besides that, it's been, like an, at the same time, an easier week. Um, lacrosse is kind of slowing down for me which is nice because then like the end of the semester is near so then I can get everything that I needed to, to like get done done um but yeah it's been it's been a good week overall Sierra I'm doing better I had a little stuffy nose uh I am doing fine as Abby said it's kind of been a hectic week just a lot of projects coming in at once um kind of staying busy with sports we had the soccer semifinal broadcast on Tuesday. We've got the championship broadcast tonight. We've got football tomorrow to broadcast. Um, I'm not going to football, though. I'm going to be back here in the studio. Only David Meyer is going to go to the game because I didn't feel like leaving at 7 a.m. when the buses leave. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's been hectic, but I feel like it's starting to slow down. Um, you know, today isn't busy. I only have one class at 2, but we pushed it back to 2.30 because – Abby and I have to be on a student panel for a Q&A about the comm department uh, and then talk a little bit. Of, I think it was music, art, and theater. Yeah. Like, that's what a lot of the kids majoring in that are coming. It's like a prospective student's day. Um, and then we got to try to talk to them about adding a comm minor or major for the undecided kids. So I'm a little nervous for that just because, like, I don't know. I feel like I kind of do a lot in the comm department, but at the same time, I feel like when it's actually time to speak, I'm going to have no idea what I'm going to say. Well, because they're going to have their parents there too, right? Yeah. And that kind of makes me a little nervous, you know? I was thinking when she said panel at first too, that we were going to be like on stage in like chairs or something. Well, it is in the big theater. It is, So yeah. like we very well could be. We Yeah, that's so true. Get name tags. <laughs> oh, if we get name tags, I'm going to laugh. Yeah. So the question of the day that we have for this week is what's that one food or restaurant from, you know, your guys' hometowns that you're excited to have again since we're going to be on break soon? Yeah, I'm excited to have chips and queso from La Mexicana. Um, La Mexicana is actually my boyfriend's restaurant. Um, his boyfriend, My boyfriend's family uh, started the business in 2021, and so it's been around for two years. It's on the Coralville Strip, if you know the Iowa City, Coralville area, and my favorite thing from that restaurant is their chips and queso. And so I am just looking forward to it um, over Thanksgiving break to probably go like almost probably every day. <laughs> that sounds amazing. And meet up with friends there and just, mm -hmm. you know, 
I'm just really looking forward to having some good, authentic Mexican food from La Mexicana. What about you guys? Um, I would say my favorite is Baracos. And again, Ryan knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, Baracos is so good. And every time I get home from school for like a break, we almost always go to Baracos that same night. And it's just amazing. And I miss pizza and Chicago pizza. <laughs> and so I'm very excited for that. Um, and also, too, I just love Italian food. Like, that's probably my favorite. So very excited for that. Um, but, yeah. I'm excited to eat some Asian food in Chinatown. Whenever I'm home, I always take the train, and I go to Chinatown with my sister. I surprise her. And we meet up with my brother who lives in the city, and we all go to Chinatown. It's like a tradition. I love Chinatown so much. I love the boba. I love everything about Chinatown. And I'll be really close to Ryan, so he'll definitely visit me there. And me. <laughs> and Abby. I Scholar Bees will be doing a live recording from Chinatown. This is not true. And I'll come to Chicago. Maybe. Um, no, I think for me, it's I've got two places that I'm kind of tied for. Uh, the first place is called Horse Thief Hollow. It's like a bar slash restaurant that my dad and I will go to a lot. They've got these uh, chicken wings with like a mango habanero sauce that are fantastic. So like we'll go there on like Sundays, get 12 wings, split them and just like watch the bears together. Um, And they've got just like a bunch of good food and all the people there are super nice. So like they're always somebody I'll like go eat. Like I'll go eat there uh, all the time when I'm home. And then the other place is called Open Outcry, and it's a pizza place, but it's not just like, you know, pepperoni cheese sausage pizza. They have a bunch of different, like, almost customized pizzas, and they're all named after, like, streets in my neighborhood. So, oh, yeah. You were telling me this. Yeah. So mm-hmm. the one I get, I want to say it's called, like, the Wash and All, I want to say, um, and it's pretty much like a meat lover's pizza. Uh, that's the one my dad and I always get, but then they'll do, like, ones that are supposed to be, like, Chicago-based. So we got one, and it's, like, a cheese pizza, but on top, it's got, like, Italian beef, jardinier, uh, french fries, stuff like that, all loaded on. And it's, like, I don't know, a lot of people don't think it sounds good, but it just, like, tastes good. It's, like, a bunch of my favorite foods all in one. So I'm excited for those kind of two places. That reminds me of poutine pizza. You know, I've actually never had, like, I've had poutine, I've had pizza, but I've never had, like, actually poutine pizza, and a lot of people that have tried it told me it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. So, let's dive in a little bit more to, like, school, because we are kind of nearing the end of the semester pretty fast. What's one of your favorite classes you guys have had so far this semester? We'll start with Sierra. My favorite class is my most challenging class, Capstone for International Studies. Mm-hmm. Reason why it's my favorite is because I'm actually learning the most in that class. I have 16 weeks to write a 40-page research paper, and I'm almost done. But it's a long process, but it's rewarding once you're over with it. And I'm finally very close to the end, and I like my topic. It's actually interesting, something I'm going to actually pursue you know, because I'm trying to be a diplomat, and it's kind of dealing with peacekeepers. And we got to pick our own topic, so that's why I like it so much. That's why it's my favorite class, even though I exert the most energy 
and time into this class. So my favorite. Anna, how about you? I would agree with Sierra. I think my most challenging class is also my most favorite class. Um, that is my microbiology class. Um, I really do love it. It's because I, I work in the hospital, as you probably guys, you guys probably know, and um, <laughs> and it's just like the stuff that I'm learning in class. Like I'll hear the nurses and doctors like talking about it, and I'm like, I know what that means, and like I'm like, Ugh. like it's just when you get that moment where it's like what you're learning in the classroom is now applicable to what you're doing with your work. I think that's like the most rewarding time. And so I haven't been able to, like, be able to connect my biology classes to my work yet, like, in the past. And so now that I have been able to, like, it makes me so much more excited to learn. And then, like, the unit that we're in right now in microbiology is, like, clinical application. So it's, like, learning about infections, learning about diseases, learning about which antibiotics and which treatments are most effective. And I think, I mean, that is what I'll be doing in the future is trying to problem solve people's health and um, try to get them better. And so it's just really, it's really interesting to me. It's really fun, and the professor's really passionate about it, and so it makes it a lot it, – it just makes it really fun to learn about. So, yeah. Abby, you and I have a lot of the same classes, so I'm hoping you don't say the class that I'm going to say, but I'll let you go first. Um, personally, I don't think I really have a challenging class right now, if I'm being very honest. Um, but if I had to pick, I would say maybe my common tech class, just because – I don't know. I mean, I guess there's more work in it. And my media and society class, too. I mean, it's not really challenging. It's just more of there's more presentations, more papers, tests, everything. Um, but I really just don't have, like, a really challenging class this year that makes me, like, really think. If I'm, if I'm being completely honest. How about you, Ryan? I mean, I would say the most challenging class I'm in right now and it's one that I do have with Abby, uh, it's motion graphics, just because there's a lot of, you know, piecing things together and, like, drawing out things and stuff like that. I literally totally forgot about that class. I was thinking of every other class besides that class, but I am so wrong. That is my most challenging class. I love the professor but hate the class, if I, I'm being honest. I just think the reason it's so challenging for me is because... I'm not, like, super creative, and I'm not, like, super original. So people in our class, when we have to do these projects, they'll make, like, almost impossible oh, stuff. insane, yeah. All by, like, drawing on a computer on Adobe. And then I'm just making, like, a football get kicked by some floating foot. Like, I do the most basic stuff in the world, and then I see everybody else's, and it's unbelievable. But uh, I guess, I don't know. I don't think I have, like, a favorite class right now, but I think one of the classes I've enjoyed the most this year is uh, media, or it's theory and ethics. Media, theory, and ethics, yes. With um, Brett Billman. It's a 10 a.m. Uh, class that Abby and I have together, but I don't know. Brett's just, like, super cool to talk to and stuff. Yeah, that's And, true. like, I don't want to say the class is easy because sometimes it can be a little bit challenging just because you're going over so many theories and ethical stuff. Mm -hmm. But, like, he makes it enjoyable to learn. Like, he'll have videos to kind of show us what he means, what he's talking about. He, When he gives us projects, he gives us ample work time, and he gives us, like, examples so we know what we're actually doing, stuff like that. And every so often, we haven't had one in a while, but he'll do, like, a question of the day kind of like we do just to start off class and kind of get our minds thinking. Like, I remember the one was, 
Like, what's your favorite superhero? Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's, like, random stuff, but it just kind of makes it enjoyable and kind of makes the class fun and talk and just, like, gets people talking. Brett did that in my class, too, in a personal com. I think it's just one of his teaching styles. Like, he'll be like, okay, for attendance, answer this question. That's yeah. What he does. Yeah. And I always liked answering the questions. Like, sometimes the class just stresses me out because we'll talk about things that I have a different opinion on, which is fine, you know. But at the same time, I really like his class because I think he's, like, a really nice person, and he's just, like, a good professor in general. Um, But, yeah. So we are going to step away for a little bit. Sierra did an interview earlier this week. Sierra, you want to kind of talk about who you interviewed? Yes, I interviewed the board chair and CEO of Friends of MLK, Ryan Sadler. And I talked about the new addition to the Quad Cities area um, to increase diversity here, and it is the MLK Park. So I ran over some few questions with him, and it's such a good interview. I hope you enjoy listening to it. We will be right back. Hello, KALA listeners. You are in for a very special treat with an even more special guest, Ryan Sadler. Hello, Sierra. It's a pleasure to be here with you in the KLA studios today. Thank you, Ryan. A little background information about Ryan's position at the Friends of MLK, a nonprofit organization here in Davenport, Iowa. He is the Friends board chair and CEO of the organization, whose overarching purpose is to encourage the Quad City area to practice civil and human rights for all races, as mirrored by Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., I have a few questions for you, Ryan. If you don't mind answering them, I'd really appreciate it. (laughs) The first question is, I know one of the tasks of the Friends of MLK Center is to use the lot on Fifth Street between Brady and Perry Streets to pay tribute to the life and legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. I understand this is a big task to accomplish, and you say in the Quad Cities Times article that the tentative date is by the end of July of next year. From the progress you have made thus far, how accurate do you think this prediction is that you made? Yes, so um, the park is actually quite the feat. So our original plan, we had dreams of this park back in 2016, 2015, 2016 is where we landed on this spot and um, finally got back into the, the flow of things actually during the pandemic. And we had hoped that the park would be done this year, uh, uh, July of, of 2022, was what our, our, the architects and the developers thought. Um, but things happened a little slower than we, we thought. Um, we wanted to do a grand opening this fall, but our grand opening will now be moved to 2024, um, sometime in April. We haven't landed on a date yet, um, but we have, we're working on a, um, our speaker slate and so we have some special people we're inviting that we need to hear back from before we set that but um that that land so the park is is, is open at this moment for people to to go down and and see it we don't have all the features um in the park yet but the stage is done all the construction the hard construction so it's uh we've we've met the substantial what the what the construction company calls a substantial completion date 
Um, that has been done, and so it's safe to walk through. Um, but we have quite a few more bells and whistles to do, which will give us the, the, the intent of the park and the storyline behind the, the history that we want to put in the park and the other storylines we want to put in the park. Um, so a task that started 2015, 2016, um, um, I hope I can say finally completed in 2024 with this, this phase of it. But it's been quite the feat, yes. It's, it's, um, it's been a daunting task. Mm -hmm. I'm sure. It's a lot to accomplish. Well, it sounds like it's moving pretty fast. And you said April is like about the tentative date. So that's already before, you know, what you said July or August that you predicted. So that's good. And I know there was over a $1.1 million mm -hmm. budgeting for the MLK Park. How do you think the public will respond to this Quad Cities investments. Have you received great public support for this project already? Yes, we've gotten uh, tremendous support, uh, both from individuals and from, uh, I'll say, corporate as well as our foundations and and other funders in this area. Um, you know, I want to start naming them because I'll miss I'll miss some. But I mean, there was a couple of surprise. Um, substantial donations given towards this this project, but um, yeah, we we surpassed our one point million one point one million dollar um, planned uh, budget for the park, and so which allows us to do some of the things that um, to upgrade. One of the pieces with the park that I've been very consistent with from the from the beginning with our architects and our construction company was that I wanted to make sure that we put things in there that would limit our, our, our deferred maintenance in the near future. Um, and so um, some of the items we're putting in, we're, we're able to put in um, items that are, that are solid, um, our benches, um, the stage is made with, with some uh, firm structure and some of our, the products. So, um, I just wanted to make sure that I, I don't want to go back through in three years and say we now have to go back and repaint or relay um, our, our pavers and, and things like that. Got it. It sounds like there's already been some good public support already for, you said, the yep. substantial completion. Now, you mentioned in the Quad Cities Times that the park will be a usable space for the history of our area, not just black history, but ethnic and cultural history. Are there specific features of the park that will increase the diversity of other cultures and their history? Yeah, so there's a significant there are significant stories when you look at the say the civil rights movement here in in Davenport alone, but then you take the larger civil rights movement. I think most people think that the civil rights movement was a movement by um, and for Black or African Americans. Um, when in fact that we, we know that there are a number of, of demographics of individuals outside of black African Americans that have benefited from the civil rights movement. But in this area, there was a tremendous effort by individuals um, from the Hispanic community, and particularly the Mexican American community in this area, um, the Irish community, um, and so the Catholic Church, um, the Diocese of Davenport, um, St. Anthony's, Sacred Heart, St. Ambrose University. Um, played a significant role and so there are players that we want to make sure that we identify and that people know the names of 
individuals like a father, Marvin Modit, who was extremely instrumental in achieving some of the equity that we see today here in Davenport, here in the Quad Cities. And he had an impact that was nationwide with the U.S. Um, Catholic bishops. Um, and then there's stories of music. Um, when we look at um, the history of jazz and, and even our um, the Blues Society, Mississippi Valley Blues Society, and all the artists that they have recognized. So we want to make sure we tell um, and, and uh, help share their story as well beyond the moment of the Blues Fest. And, um, and so there's, there's a plan to have some of their honorees on display through times past. Um, and as I mentioned, the, the Irish and the German, and making sure that we talk about how that, that what I use, say, intersectionality of race, how that really affected how the Quad Cities is com composed today. If we look at black history and we look at Underground Railroad, which ran right through Davenport, it, it took um, some non-black citizens to assist with that. And uh, John Brown was one of the ones that came right through here through Hamburg Gold Coast. And, um, and so there are stories that I think need to be told that I, our hope is that we'll, they will uplift us to say we can, we can work together. We have worked together in this community. Um, the history is just tremendous in terms of the, the support. Of course, it has its dark days. Um, it's ugly days, but there are some really bright moments uh, within this community. Sounds like the MLA Park will be a great opportunity to increase the diversity in Davenport, as well as supplement, you know, your expertise in diversity, inclusion, and equity, Ryan. Yes. My second to last question is, do you have any concerns about the MLK Park, or are you fairly optimistic about this project? Um, the park itself, I'm, I'm, I'm very optimistic. I mean, we're, we're at that point where it's just um, finalizing, again, those last, those last pieces of, of the bells and whistles, the, making sure the names are right on the donors, and, you know, the, the fine-tuning of the final bit of this, this project. Um, it's been tedious. It's been a long haul um, with as you mentioned, with my DEI work here at St. Ambrose, and then life and, and everything else. It's been a tedious process to, uh, to navigate and go through. Um, I will, will gladly hand, um, if someone asked me to, if I were to do this again, I would gladly hand this over to someone else. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm optimistic about the, our onset and, and what we wanted as an outcome of this project, and that was for us to educate the community to be a destination um, spot for not only visitors and tourists, but also for quad citizens and natives of Davenport in particular uh, to be able to see and learn of our own history right here. Probably partnered with the Putnam Museum. And so there's a equal sharing of some of the material that what we can't give through the park and through the structure that we have that the Putnam will be able to have some of the artifacts that were that been collected and to be able to tell we're sharing stories and so some of the stories will be a little bit more in depth at the Putnam and then there will be some storylines that will be more in depth that that we have at the um, Friends of MLK either in the park or the Interpreter Center inside. 
That's an amazing collaboration you have yes. between the MLK Park <laughs> and the Putnam Museum. Now, the final question I have for you, Ryan, is just a general question about the Friends of MLK. Mm -hmm. It's, I remember participating in the annual Quad City Juneteenth Festival yes. on behalf of the radio station with Dave Baker, and I always enjoyed my time there, and I know you helped a lot. Do you have any plans to make the 2024 festival bigger and better? Well, first, let me say thanks to KALA for your continued sponsorship for the annual Juneteenth Festival. I wouldn't be able to do this without KALA and, and of course, the man Dave Baker, um, the, the voice of KALA. And um, so, yeah, so we've, with that, we've, we've really outgrown um, where we've had it at the Lincoln Center the last few years. So we're actually are looking at um, a new location that will be a little bigger um, and to allow us to with the growth that we've seen I think there's been a a tremendous awareness in recent years about Juneteenth and what it is I mean of course it being put up in, in, in now as a nationally recognized holiday helps um, and so we do have plans I, 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 I can't spill the beans on the location and, and, and those those things but we do are and are working on plans for Juneteenth 2024, and we're excited um, about that. I'm also excited, too. Good. Thank you so much, Ryan, for speaking with me today at KALA Studios. I am positive that I can definitely speak on behalf of Davenport, of how fortunate we are to have this remembrance of history and promotion of diversity in the Quad Cities. Thank you for speaking with me at KLA Studios, and good luck with the rest of your plans for Friends of MLK. Thank you so much <laughs> for having me. And now back to From the Hive. Welcome back into the studio. Thank you, Sierra, for that interview. Good job. Thank you. So one thing we're going to be talking about now is, like, what's one thing that you want to do in the future that, like, people might not know about you? Or, like, what's, like, one goal you have in life that you want to accomplish? Uh, Anna, we'll start with you. Yeah, so um, one goal that I have that I don't think many people know about me is that I really want to be a good gardener and then grow my own carrots. So I don't know how this came to be. So, like, I grew up gardening with my dad. My dad's a really good gardener. He has a really good green thumb. You know, he knows all about the plants and how to make them survive and thrive. But I, we never grew carrots, and that's always been one thing that I wanted to grow. And then, of course, like this past summer, I was watching TikToks, and you know, someone was growing carrots, and I'm like, that's what I'm gonna want to grow. Something that I haven't grown before that I really want to grow is a carrot. And so, I'm gonna have to recruit some help because I really don't know how to do it. And I think um, I was talking earlier with Abby, and her mom's a really good gardener, so I'm probably gonna ask Abby and her mom to help me on my adventure and journey to growing a carrot. I was about to say, Abby's mom is like a world-class gardener. Isn't she like super famous on Instagram and yep. stuff? Guys, add Heather here she grows on Instagram. I think she has like 15, I want to say maybe 15,000. And wow. she could be doing the Grammys, like the flower arrangements. Wow. Wait, really? Yeah, for next year. That is that's so cool. It's a possibility. Yeah, that's so, so cool. Wow. Follow, follow her, everyone. That is very Anna, important. Anna, that is the perfect of help you know that you need girl to start a garden and that is so wholesome of you i love that yes a garden i love it uh abby how about you um i don't think many people know this about me but i have always wanted to be in a movie um i 
love acting. I have, I've done a lot of like theater work ever since I was very little. Um, not necessarily do I want to do like plays or like musicals or anything like that, but definitely be in a movie is like, I've always wanted to do that. So that's amazing. I, get there. <laughs> I can see that happening for you. Abby. you. I hope so. Sierra. Now, not many people know this about me. I'm a very fancy girl. And <laughs> when I'm older, I'm going to live in a penthouse that's going to be black. <laughs> I don't want to live in the suburbs. I am going to have that. And that's my life goal. Okay. And I don't like the traditional white marble interior. I want black. Brian, how about you? So... For me, like, I like living in. I, I actually I don't like living in Chicago. I was say what? Um, like I like my neighborhood. Yeah. Just because like we're all very close, but I've always wanted to like kind of live out in the country. I don't. I just like it's always seemed peaceful to me, and my family lives out in the country. So every time we go there, like, I don't know. I get a little bit, I guess, at peace. I guess you could say. Um. So I've always wanted to live out there, but. One thing I've always wanted to do is, like, really learn how to play instruments. Like, yes. I've taken a guitar class here. I have a guitar at home. But, you know, with guitar, when you want to learn, like, it's nonstop mm-hmm. having to learn and, like, teach yourself stuff if you're not taking lessons, which I don't. Um, So, like, I just want to get, like, really good at guitar and just, like, really want to teach myself and learn. Because I'll, like, practice for, like, a month when I'm home. And then I'll stop and I'll forget, like, everything I taught myself. So, like, learning that. And then after that, like, I want to move on to different instruments. Like, I wouldn't hate learning how to, like, play the drums. Um, And then, like, piano, stuff like that. Just, like, learn a bunch of different instruments. And then, like, when I'm older in my house, almost have, like, a music room. Just with instruments that, like, I can play and do stuff with. Because I know a bunch of my friends know how to play the guitar really well. And so, like, they'll play, and they'll invite me to, and then I just, like, can't keep up with what they're doing. Yeah. When the pandemic hit, that was my goal. So my mom is a really good guitar player, and she would play, like, for my church. And, like, so, like, she let me use her guitar when the pandemic hit, and I was like, I'm going to pick up guitar. And so my thought process on it, because I, like, you know, I couldn't go to lessons or anything, is I was just going to learn, like, five chords and then learn all the songs that had those chords in it. And so that's all I know. I know five chords and all the songs that... You can play with five chords, so maybe you could do it that way, Ryan. I'm trying to think. I I still remember how to play part of Tennessee Whiskey by Chris Stapleton. Um, and I can't think of the other songs that like I kind of taught myself that I, I still kind of remember. Whiskey. I can play some of it. That's a hard one to do, too. See, I actually thought that was one of the easiest ones. Really? Yeah. Mm. So, did you guys not play instruments in high or like in elementary school or like junior the high? Quarter. The recorder? I would yeah. say outside the recorder, but, like, we had a little band in uh, my grade school, mm-hmm. but the only instrument I was even willing to try to play was the drums, and my parents looked at me like I was crazy and told me there was no way I was getting a drum to play at home. Yeah. So, no, I didn't do band or anything like that. It was very optional. Iowa City is very much a music community and so we like started we had to like pick up an instrument either orchestra or band like by fourth grade and then from fourth grade onward we were like in lessons like during the school day and then like high school came around and you had like concert bands that were like huge and you got to play with all play your instrument alongside other people so I don't know I guess maybe that's just I played the flute 
Aww. Yeah. That's a good one. My brothers so played cute. the drums and the trumpet. And my dad played trumpet. So I just, I also came from a very musical family. And so I think that also had some influence on why I really do enjoy picking up yeah. instruments and trying to learn them. I see what you mean, girl. <laughs> Honestly, too, like my family's very musical as well. Um, like my dad played the bagpipes. Um, wow. So yeah. <laughs> my gosh. He was in, I don't know if you know what this is, but Emerald Society. I've heard of them. That's what he was in. Um, is that like a police group? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he still plays those. Um, he does them for, you know, different events and everything. Um, and then my mom played the flute and like the piccolo and same with my sister. And then I wasn't really like that though. I was kind of more of like the singer. I love to sing. Um, but I did play guitar for a little while mm-hmm. and the recorder. <laughs> And a little bit of the piano, but I just never, it never really stuck with me, I don't think. But I definitely want to get back to the guitar for sure. See, I, I think my biggest thing, too, is, like, I want to learn how to play all the different types of guitar. Mm-hmm. Like, right now I have an acoustic guitar. After I master, if I were to master that, I'd probably get, like, a bass. Yeah. Because I feel like playing bass would be fun, but even a bit more challenging since it's only four strings. Um oh, yeah. And then I know this, I, don't, I mean, I know some people don't technically count this as a guitar, but I think it'd just be funny and fun to learn how to pick a banjo. Just yeah. for, like, the story of, hey, yeah. I know how to do this. But Did you play Guitar Hero? I did yeah. when I was super young. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is my brother's favorite game. Mm-hmm. They literally pulled it out on family vacation this past summer, and we brought it with us to the lake, and they oh. had, like... Like, I don't even know what it would be called, but they were, like, jamming with each other. <laughs> and I don't know. It's Those are good memories. Those are really good memories, Guitar Hero. Mm-hmm. But I think that is going to do it for Episode 10 of From the Hive. Thank you to our general manager, Dave Baker, for allowing us to keep doing this. Uh, for Anna Vary, Sierra Mari, and Abby Varkalis, I am Ryan Schistel. Thank you for listening. We will be back next week. Have a great rest of your day, everybody.